Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Justine at Justin Kitty, whom I met through Twitter. Today, Justine is a happy financial services professional and educator, but it was a long road before reaching that happy stage. Justine will share the difficulties she encountered when she moved to Turkey to become an English teacher. It was a tough situation, but we will see as well how these challenges forced her to change her financial mindset and ultimately encourage her to become a financial services professional. Justine will also break down life insurance and make it easy for us to understand that specific component to personal finances, that is protection, and most importantly, she will share her big why. And a little side note on uh, that life insurance part, this will apply mostly for the American Amigos listening as we go quite in details. This episode is for you if you feel stuck or you're facing a difficult situation right now. I hope that Justine's story and enthusiasm inspire you to take action towards your best life. This episode is also for you if you want to understand life insurance better. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Justine. How are you doing today? I am doing so well. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, it's a pleasure, Justine. Uh, I'm doing fine myself and I'm glad to speak to you. Uh, we've been uh, speaking on Twitter uh, for quite some time now and it's uh, always great. You bring positive energy. And uh, yeah, I think you have a great drive and a great uh, story to tell today. And I'm, I'm very excited to, to listen to you because, okay, on Twitter, we see your tweets, we comment a little bit, we send some, some messages, but I didn't know really your story. And now you shared a little bit with me before the show. It, it's great. And I really appreciate it that you shared with us uh, today. And uh, I think it's quite inspirational. So Maybe before we head to your story, just maybe a little uh, word about yourself. Uh, who are you, Justine? Where do you live? And yeah, what do you do? Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for that very kind, those kind words and the lovely introduction. So, you know, my name is Justine. I am a financial services professional out in Los Angeles, California. Um, I've been an educator actually for 12 years. So I really love being in the education space and being a teacher, a former teacher, actually. Uh, but, you know, you'll hear from my story about how I transition into financial services. But, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, I love what I do, and I'm excited to share that story with all of you. Fantastic, fantastic. Great, uh, great start. So, yeah, Justine, where did it all start? Because you, you shared with me that in 2012, you were an English teacher in Turkey. And yes. things were not that great. Can you, what happened there? Okay, absolutely. So, you know, after, I had previously lived in Seoul, South Korea. Um, I, that's where I did my first teaching mm -hmm. out there. And so when I came back to the U.S., uh, you know, the bug bit me right? The, the mm -hmm. travel bug. <laughs> so I decided, and I loved teaching. So I decided, you know what, I want to continue to do that. And so I moved out to Istanbul, Turkey. I'm telling you right now, 
so many family members, literally the night before I was going to fly out, they were like, Justine, please don't go. Please don't consider it. So you can imagine the kind of mental heaviness that was weighing on me, right? Mm -hmm. When you have your family telling you like, don't, don't go, please. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, I decided to go. And so I packed my bags. I bought a one-way ticket to Istanbul, Turkey. And I started working at a private English academy as an English teacher. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, at first I'm thinking, you know, I've traveled before. I've lived abroad before. This is like, I'll be able to handle this. Let me tell you, I did not know my strength right? As especially as a 25 year old woman, right? I did not know what my strength was until I moved to Istanbul, Turkey. Mm -hmm. So just like a little background in terms of like my financial background, you know, growing up being raised by two immigrant parents from the Philippines, for them, the constant save, save, save was what they taught me. There was no teaching of investing. There was no teaching of like how to make your money work for you. None of that. Right. So I took that mentality of save, save, save and really just applied that. So take a, take me back to Istanbul, Turkey. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, I promise you that save, save, save is going to come in later. Right. So okay, good. I'm, excited. I'm living in <laughs> I'm living in Istanbul, Turkey. I'm an English teacher, you know, and I did not realize like in the contracts. So the contracts are a little different. Everybody, please read the fine lines and ask questions. Let Mm -hmm. that be the lesson right there. But they were not telling me that they didn't tell me I was going to work seven days a week, 10 hour shifts and very little pay. So to me, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, how how bad is very little pay? So it was bad, you guys, Mm -hmm. it was bad. So basically in my span of living in Istanbul, Turkey, I had to move five different times, right? Because of the living situations. One specifically, I'll tell you right now, it snows in Istanbul, Turkey, everyone. So in case you didn't know that and you're a California girl like me, you know, you don't know what snow really is like coming from Southern California. So I'll give you a good example. I remember it was like, I want to say February, right? February in the dead of winter in Istanbul, Turkey. I had Mm -hmm. moved to a place. There was no like hot running water. There was no heater. You can imagine. So I'm over here thinking, okay, how am I going to get out of this situation? Right. And I had just put down the down payment for that space. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I don't have the money. I don't have the money to like move. And so I had to go digging into my savings accounts that I had, which wasn't a lot to be completely honest. Um, But I had to go digging into my savings account and really muster up and try to pull up as much money as possible. And I remember taking a really huge hit, Mm -hmm. right? And it was so hard for me, but I had to get out of that situation. And so that right there, you can already see it's it was a rough start. It was a mm-hmm. rough start. And so aside from the five different times of having to move because of the living situations, but it was the same year. It was 2013, right? 2013, the Gezi protests took place, right? The Gezi protests took place. And I are you familiar with the Gezi protests, Johnny, by any chance? Or No, uh, I think you- I'm, uh, it's uh, too long ago, so I'm not sure <laughs> what is it, what it yeah. is about. And maybe the listeners forgot as well. So can yeah, you remind okay. us? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, a while back, the Arab Spring happened. And oh, so yeah, a lot that, of, okay. 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So the Arab Spring happened, and this was like a trickle effect of that. Mm -hmm. And so the Gezi protests in Istanbul, Turkey, off of their main street, Istiklal, there there is a park. I don't know if it's still there anymore, because again, this was many years ago. But there was a park called Gezi, right? Gezi Mm -hmm. Park. And it was the only park left, really, in that part of the city. And so they were trying to preserve it. So a lot of people were, you know, uh, peacefully protesting. Mm -hmm. Now, the police came in and they were basically gassing everybody who were, you know, peacefully protesting. Uh, They brought out these massive tanks and and, and water guns. And it was it was just it was super scary. And it was something I had never seen in my life. So that's a little bit of the background story there. So those Gezi protests eventually led to civil unrest, Mm. right? So it was a massive thing. So I remember living in one of my apartments um, and I remember living on the the fourth floor and looking down and I could see literally the barricade of soldiers um, and the gas bombs like flying around. So for me, I'm thinking this is, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. And I still had to go to work. Right. I still had to go to work. Oh, wow. It was so, not blocked or stopped or. Uh... <laughs> I OK, Joni, I called my boss and, you know, of course, he knows what's happening. So I called my boss. I said, do we have to come in? He's like, you have to come in or else you don't get paid. So and, and the thing for me was like, oh, my gosh, if I stop going in, I don't get paid. If I don't pay, I don't make no rent. rent. If yeah. I, yeah, I won't be able to eat. Right. So and then. On top of that, I was still paying my my loans in the States, my student loans. So you can kind of see, I know I said a lot there, but you can kind of see how so many moving pieces can can really break a person and really kind of force push them against the wall, right? To kind mm-hmm. of yeah. take action. So that was a lot. And um, that was just a little bit of my background story. <laughs> Well, that's uh, quite uh, quite tough. And uh, I know that today you're doing well, but then I think there's a long journey from there. So, okay, you're in this situation. You are uh, working for minimum pay. You work like, a, I don't know, like a slave. Uh, you, okay, there's the civil unrest, which doesn't help. You need, you are forced to go to work, uh, not by your boss necessarily, but by this, your circumstances. You don't have I mean, you don't have money aside that you can say, look, uh, screw you. Um, I'm going to look for something else where I don't come in work today and uh, I go back to U.S. or to another country. No, you cannot. You don't have those choices, those opportunity. So, so how did, did you get out of that situation? It seems like impossible to get out. OK, right. I know. You know what? It started with the mindset. Mm-hmm. It's literally when you don't have anything, you don't have anything like Joni, there was there was times literally it's like, do I buy myself a bottle of Rocky, right, which is, uh, you know, an alcoholic beverage? Yeah, this or do I, I remember put- better than the Gizzy protest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then we are speaking the same language, friend, you know, <laughs> so it, it, I kid you not. I just my roommate at the time who still was is now one of my best friends and I love her to death. We would literally take whatever money we had left right? Like mm-hmm. 20 lira and we wouldn't get paid for the next uh, two weeks. And and we would put it together and we'd say, okay, is this going to go towards alcohol or is this going to go towards um, food? Mm-hmm. You know, it, those are, because, you know, at that time too, as a 25 year old, I'm not, I'm also not taking care of my mental health because I'm, 
I'm, I'm scared, right? I'm scared. Yeah. I'm trying to get out of this mess. So the one thing I told myself, right, is that because I was alone there, that it was my battle. It was my battle. There was no one. I learned in that moment, my roommate, my my friend at the time, as she was in the same situation as me. So she wasn't going to be able to help me out. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, my boss over here, he's just doing his job. And he's like, Justine, you need to come in. So at the end of the day, I was like, if I need to get out of this situation, it's going to have to be me. Yeah. It's going to have to be me. It's going to be it's going to have to be me. So the one thing I told myself, Joni, was. Justine, whatever you do, you are going to finish your contract and you're going to make this work. You're going to make this work. So what I ended up doing was I, I, as tired as I was, I asked my boss, I was like, can I, can I work a different, can I work a different shift? Can I work with a different, you know, a client? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I kept asking and eventually he said, all right, Justine, I've got a business for you. And if you're willing to teach these businessmen English in the evenings for three hours, right? Like we'll go ahead and give that to you. So I said, yes, without a doubt, because I knew at the end of the day, I was like, okay, I'm going to need to make more money. Yeah. Bottom line. I think that was the, that was the lesson that I need to make more money and that money is not going to fall onto my lap. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. You know, Joni, I wish I could sing, right? I wish I could sing and like be a busker and like be on the street and make money that way. But I can't do it that. I can't do that. <laughs> so <laughs> it, that was not in the books. That was not in the books. And so I picked up the extra job. I'd come home at 11 p.m. I'd go to bed and then I would I need to be back into the uh, back at the school by 8 a.m. Right. So it was this constant cycle and I knew that I needed extra money. So I think that was the turning point. Right. Because I knew at this point, all that money I had saved up until I was 25 years old, that money was it was. Oh, gosh, it was not enough. It was not Mm, enough. And so I had to mentally tell myself, all right, just number one, you are responsible for this. And number two, you need to increase your multiple, you, you need to increase your income streams. So I did what I had to do and I stayed until the remainder of my contract. And then when I finished that contract, I left Istanbul with as much pain as there was there. There was mm-hmm. so much um, beauty that came out of it. Right. There was so much beauty that came out of it until this day. I don't regret going there because and I don't I wouldn't change anything for the world, because if I didn't experience that, I don't think, Johnny, I don't think I would have I would have told myself, you need to take care of yourself, Justine. You got to increase your income streams. I don't think that would have been part of my vocabulary. Right. Mm-hmm. Not at that. Should that make sense? So I came back uh, to the States and at that point I started picking up you know, different financial habits to get to get better. Mm-hmm. And then when you came back to the U.S., I mean, uh, just first back to your story. Yeah, I think it, it's it was such a difficult situation. I mean, you got this uh, fighter mentality out of, uh, yeah, the, of the, the circumstances. You had no other choice, I would say. So, so it was great. I mean, it, I mean, it was great. In hindsight, it's great. But during the moment, it was tough. So, yeah. And, and I think... Uh, yeah, that has been one of those challenges that make you grow, but yeah, it doesn't happen to everybody. So uh, how, what would you say to people that, okay, for example, I was not never in that situation. Some other people, let's say some of uh, most of my friends and colleagues, they haven't. Maybe a lot of listeners, 
80%, 90%, they're not in that situation. I mean, we don't want to experience these things, but how can we get a stronger mentality or stronger fighter spirit? Oh, I love that question. You know, I hope this doesn't sound cliche, but you have to believe that you can do it. Mm -hmm. You have to believe that you have to believe in yourself. I think if I didn't, Joni, I don't know if I don't know what would have happened to me there. If I had just given up, I don't I don't know what would have happened. I to be alone out there was really hard, was mm -hmm. really hard. Yeah, so imagine. it would, yeah. you know, it was just me. So if I, I really to anyone, you know, to everyone who is listening, try this exercise because this is what I did. Right. I, I, I took a piece of paper down and I wrote down. Right. I wrote down my situation and that was hard. Right. Because I had to be really honest with myself and say, Justine, this is what this is what's happening in your life right now. Mm -hmm. And then what I did is on the other side of the piece of paper. Right. I wrote down what can I do to make this better. Right. So I literally had something visual in front of me. In, right. And ever since then. Right. I, I, if I accomplish something, I would check it off. Right. Yeah. I would check it off and then I would move on to the next. But I had to tell myself every day, I can do this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. I don't mean sometimes I didn't believe it. But you know what? At the same time, I said it enough for me to say, OK, Justine, you can do this, girl. You can do it. So then when I came back to the States and the next hurdle came, I told myself, you survived Istanbul, girl. You can do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can do this. So. I hope that's not a very cliche answer, but really when you when you're experiencing something when you're experiencing adversity, the first thing you want to do is tell yourself that you can do it. Mm -hmm. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in yourself. And then if it helps, I put everything in front of me literally in writing and then I follow what's on the piece of paper and I just keep holding myself accountable for what I need to get done. Okay, very good. No, absolutely. I think it's a great tip because sometimes it's Sometimes it's a matter of, as you say, putting the stuff in front of you in writing or taking the time to think about it. Really like, okay, now I'm going to take, let's say, a walk, one hour, two hours, and really focus on thinking uh, about mm -hmm. my situation or setting aside one hour to write. And then whatever that is, right? it can be a difficult situation, temporary or not temporary, but just doing this thought process exercise. And then you can always call a friend or whatever, or your parents, your a mentor, some people you, you uh, enjoy talking to, or you think that can help you, but at least do this exercise for yourself. I think that's a, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, I know I sound cliche as well, but uh, I don't care. It's my podcast, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true. I mean, uh, sometimes you just need to, to figure out everything for yourself, uh, important choices anyway. And then Justine, so you go back to the States after this adventure, you're full of energy. You, you know you can accomplish many things. So what do you do, actually? Because you're still, then you're, you're still an English teacher. I mean, you don't need to teach English in America, I guess. But so what do you do? Right. So great question. I, I come back and I decide I'm going to go get my master's, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I, I moved to New York City. And, you know, they tell you, oh, New York's the concrete jungle. I'm like, I just lived through. <laughs> in, in Istanbul. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just lived in Istanbul. So I felt ready. I was ready to take on New York. I was ready to get my master's. I, you know, I was ready. So I went 
I went back to school for international education development. Mm-hmm. Uh, super exciting. I mean, at the end of the day, right? I think Johnny, we we I might have talked about this on Twitter, but I want to build a school someday in the Philippines where my parents grew up, right? So, for me, going to get my master's in that—that's that was the reason why, right? Okay. To help get yeah. that background. Now, here's another thing. So. You know, at the end of the day, Joni, I still need to pay my bills while I'm living in New York, mm-hmm. right? I, so I pick up two jobs. I pick up two jobs and I pick that up. So I'm working at seven in the morning up until 10 a.m. And then I go to class. And then after class, when I was over around seven, I go to my second job and work until 10, right? And then I'd walk home. So mm-hmm. I picked up two different jobs. Now, I share that with you because I'm over here thinking that getting this master's degree and all of this, you know, this is going to help me get paid more and this and that. And I'm sure you've heard this story before. Yes. Maybe from someone from the U S you know, mm-hmm. the hustlers, <laughs> the hustlers. Yeah. Geez. Oh my God. With student loan debt, right. With student loan debt. And so, um, I, I finish, I get my degree. I'm working these two jobs. So you can just imagine that it's, it's, it, that also was another challenging year, but I was prepared for that because of New York. I mean, excuse me, because of Istanbul. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I start to think, right? I move back to California because Mm -hmm. one of the jobs that that I was working in New York, they they wanted me to help with expansion. So they're like, hey, do you want to go to Oakland, California, up in the Bay Area? I said, yeah, take me home. Not, mm-hmm. I loved New York, but I knew my time was served, right? So yeah. take me back to California. I moved to Oakland. Again, completely different, right? Completely different city. At one point, um, I had a, I, it was really hard for me up there. I was going through a lot of personal issues um, and I was struggling. So I knew I had to go back home where my family was. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for a job, Joni. I was looking for a job and that job was to train teachers, So I took it because it was based in Los Angeles. I took that job. Now, again, lo and behold, I was not based in Los Angeles. They wanted me to travel up and down the coast of California and sometimes out of state. So that took a toll on me for three years. Mm -hmm. And I found out that, you know, the company was underpaying me. It was this whole thing. And at that point, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to make, I need to make more money if I need to make, and like, to, you see how it is? It's just this cycle, right? Yeah, I was going to say it's an endless cycle. <laughs> it's an endless cycle that I think many people can resonate with, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh my gosh, I, I, I need to make more money. And I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? I got to do something different. I've got to do something different. And then that's where the financial services professional came in. Right. That was so I was actually approached by a woman. She was, you know, she was asking me about, you know, my work opportunities. And so for me, I'm a go getter. And at this point, I'm tired, Joni. I'm tired. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm tired of being uh, like beat down, underpaid. And and I, I just needed something different. And so she approaches me. She she's like, hey, would you be interested in this, you know, working in this line of work. And at this point I was like, financial services, finance. Okay. This is not in my background, but I'm willing to do it. So <laughs> that's really how the journey started there. Right. And I fell in love with it. I was like, all right, I'm going to get licensed. I'm going to, this is what I want to do. And so that's pretty much how I started in the financial services world. And when, when I did that, 
everything changed. I started looking at my money differently. I started investing more into financial education, right? Learning Mm -hmm. more about it, getting out into the field, uh, meeting people who were in that field. So that's really where that that shift Mm -hmm. happened. So how did I become a teacher? It was, you know, I started that 12 years ago, but then I decided, wait a second, you know, I, I can teach financial education as well. I could do that. Yeah. And, and what about the pay? I mean, uh, so you were paid enough to have uh, one job only? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's such a great question. That's such a great question. It's enough for sure to have one job only, but I still do enjoy working with teachers, right? So okay. yeah. I, 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 yeah, I still work with teachers. I enjoy that, but I also enjoy having um, the ability to sit down with clients and working in financial services. So I like, I enjoy that. I like the balance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then from there, it, then it becomes more easy than to, to be more at peace with your finances then. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you can breathe, you have that sigh of relief. Yeah, it just got so much easier. And mm-hmm. I noticed that by helping families and talking to them about their finances, the reward of seeing them planning their financial futures, uh, that's just like the best part of, of all of this. And so when you get to do something that you love, I believe that the money comes to you right? The money, you attract that money into your life, that abundance into your life, because you're doing something that you really love. Okay. And then one important thing with you is that you advise your your customers, your clients, but then there's something in particular that you find sexy. I mean, I don't find it sexy, I'll be honest, but somehow (laughs) convince me that life insurance is sexy. Oh my gosh. You know, Right. You're not the first one, Joni, who told me that life insurance is not sexy. I know. I know. But let's hear me out, friend. Hear me out. So actually, can I ask a question if that's all right? Do you do you have life insurance where you're at in the country that you're in? Yeah. yeah so, of course, we, we have them. Uh, it's the, the principle, the same principles apply. I mean, at least in uh, France, Belgium, Luxembourg and uh, I don't know exactly about Norway, but we, yeah, we have a leaf. Yeah, we have it as well um, where I lived. So yeah, there's some form of it. It might be a bit different terms, etc. But the principle is the same. So in case, okay, for example, cool. if uh, yeah, if something happens, then you can pass on your. Um, let's say you you yeah you have an accident, you die, you can pass on your uh, possessions to somebody else, to your kids, etc. They will get some kind of money, and then the terms, the the, the proportion of money they get will change. Okay, awesome. So it does sound similar to what we have. That's great. That's that's wonderful. So I'm going to speak on behalf of what I know here in the states, right? Because I'm I'm licensed here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but please, I let me know if this resonates, Joni. If this resonates at all <laughs> for you, um, and for anyone else that's you know that's listening. So when we think of life insurance, right? We I think a lot of people are like, how does that how does that benefit me? Why would I want to pay into this policy or into this contract? And I would never see the money that I put into it, right? Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's a common thing that I hear. Um, And that's why a lot of people don't like life insurance because it's like, well, what, where's my money going, right? It's Mm. if I can't use it. And so I want to talk about the the two different types of life insurance out there. So the, really, you should know term and permanent, right? And so- Term is what most people know about. 
Term is, you know, I want you to think about renting for a house, right? So term insurance is temporary. Like you don't, you, you have it for a certain period of time. So depending on the contract, but it could be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, right? So there's a certain amount of time that this contract would serve, this policy. Okay. Um, there is a death benefit, right? So death benefit, also known as the face value, everyone. So that is what you would give to that the insurance company would pay out to your beneficiary, right? And so the beneficiary can be your parents, it can be your siblings, it could be put into a trust, right? You can you can actually donate or give the benefit the death benefit to your favorite charity. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people know that, uh, but it doesn't have to go to a family member. You might not be okay with your family and you might have a you might have a best friend that took care of you when you were growing up, you can you can leave it to them, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. the, the, there's that component, the death benefit. And then there's also the premium. So the premium is a fixed premium. It doesn't change, right? So if you put in $10 a month, it's gonna say $10 a month, right? So uh, a lot of reasons why people like the term insurance is because it's cheap, it's affordable, and that catches people's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have the other one, which is, Permanent insurance. Permanent is meant to serve. Justine, is that the same as whole life insurance? Yes. So I'm going to talk about that. That's a great question. So permanent insurance is designed to be to cover your entire life. So it's not like term, which is temporary. It's a certain time period. Permanent can cover you for as long as you are alive. Mm-hmm. So. Just like term, permanent also has the death benefit, right, that you can give to your beneficiary. It also has the premium, okay? And what makes permanent special, and term doesn't have this, is the cash value, right? Is the Mm. cash value. So that is money that you could use while you are alive. So that's the living benefit, right? So permanent has that living benefit, that cash value that allows you to use that money while you are alive. Now, Joni, the question you asked, is that whole life? Yes. So under the umbrella of permanent life insurance, right, there is whole life, universal life, variable life, right, universal life, and then there's indexed universal life, right? Mm -hmm. So there's different types of insurance, like different types of permanent policies. Uh, The one that I really want to focus on today is the indexed universal life, right? The index universal life. Uh, Let me talk a little bit more about that. Now, many people don't know about this, right? Because I think when they hear life insurance, they're like, they think of term and they don't know much about index universal life. So index universal life, can I'll call it an IUL for short, right? An IUL, it's got its pros and obviously it has its cons. So I'm going to go through both of them, right? I'm going to go through the pros and the cons, of course. Now, for the IUL, okay, you can use that for accumulation. You can use that for accumulation. So some of the benefits of an IUL is that there's that upside potential and downside protection. All right. So Mm -hmm. I'll give an example of that. In an IUL, your money mimics and mirrors an index in the stock market. So your money is not actually in the market, but your money is mirroring how an index does. So it could be the global index, the S&P 500 index, right? Mm-hmm. 
and so the upside potential, right? In an IUL, there's a cap, right? There's a cap. So depending on the company that you go with, there can be a cap of 15%. There can be a cap of 12%. There can be a cap of uh, 20%. Right now, again, it depends on the uh, company. So anytime the market does well, right, your money can grow up until that cap. Does that make sense so far? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Now, another benefit of that is the downside protection. So in the event that there is a crash, like what happened in 2008 or what happened even last year, right? In 2020, that massive dip because of COVID. Because there is a floor, your money is protected and you don't lose anything. You don't lose any of your money. Does that make sense so far? So there's that upside potential that you can go as much as the cap is. And then there's that downside protection. So in case the market doesn't do well one year, you're not going to lose any of your money. Now, you're not going to make any money if that makes sense. But you're more importantly, you're not going to lose any of your money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Joni, I'm going to do a little exercise with you, right? So given that information, let's say that the cap is 15% and the floor is 0%. Mm-hmm. If year one, right, if year one, the market does 13%, how much would your money grow that year? Yeah, 13%. Exactly. Right now, year two, there's a dip. It goes down negative 5%. How much money are you going to make that year? Zero. Exactly. Exactly. Right. You're not going to lose anything. Now it's year three and the market does 17%. Mm -hmm. How much money, what percentage are you going to make that year? Unfortunately, it will be capped at 15. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, and and some people are going to say, well, that sucks. I'm not going to get the extra 2% return. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I get it. You know, I absolutely get I could see why would someone would be upset. But at the same time, you've locked in 15 and you didn't lose anything. So there's a there's there's that upside there. I mean, again, depends on the person and what they're really looking for. But if they're looking for something where they're not going to lose any money and they can still gain upside potential, uh, that's a win right there. So a common question that I get about, wait a second, Justine, if the money is not in the market, how does that work, right? If the money is not in the market, I mean, how, how do you get the upside potential and how do you get the downside protection? So I'm going to break it down into to little pieces here so that people can understand this. When you pay your premium every single month, right? Part of that premium, okay, is going to go to cost of insurance and, you know, admin and policy fees, right? A small amount of that. The rest of that premium amount that's left over. And once you've paid the expenses, a percentage of that premium is going to go into purchasing call options. So you've got a system, right? There's an algorithm. There's people working at the insurance company who are buying call up, who are, you know, betting on call options. Does that make sense so far? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. So if they're buying, they're putting money, right? Or betting, excuse me, betting and purchasing call options, there's that upside potential. And now the remainder of that premium, right? The remainder of that premium that's not buying the call options is going to go into bonds. 
And so bonds are safe, they're predictable. And so eventually that evens out, right? So the mm -hmm. bonds and since they're safe and they're predictable, that's gonna that's gonna help prevent the money from dropping below zero yeah. percent. And then it's the call options that's actually bringing it and allowing the uh, the money to have that upside growing potential. Okay, and then my question is, okay, if I have let's say a thousand dollars that I want to that I have extra at the end of the month. So what do I do? Should I put everything then in the in the, in my premium payment, or should I split with the, my own investment? I mean, what should I do, Justine? Or not what should I do, but I mean, uh, what should I think? How should I think exactly? Oh, I love that question. I love that question. So here's here's the thing: if you decide. Okay, if you decide to put that lump sum of that extra $1,000 into your IUL, right? You, you decide to put that extra in. What I want you all to do is you want to make sure, right? You want to make sure that that $1,000 is not going to put you over the maximum. So let me take us back a little bit. When you get an IUL, Right, and this is why it's so important that you're working with a professional who knows what they're doing and knows this policy really well. But when you first set up your IUL, you're gonna have you're gonna decide what the death benefit is, you're gonna decide what your monthly premium is. Now, this type of strategy is a tax advantage, tax-free strategy, and I'll talk about that in a second. Right. In order for you to take advantage of the tax-free and tax advantage um, positives of this IUL, you need to make sure that you don't go over the maximum. You don't go over the maximum premium, Okay. right? So if you want to do the $1,000 before you do that, you wanna call the insurance company up and you wanna ask them, if I put this $1,000, am I going to go over the maximum, right? Am I gonna go over the maximum? If you do, then you do not want to put the $1,000 in because the moment you put more than the maximum, then this will no longer be a tax-free strategy, right? It, they're now going to tax you on your income. So we don't want to go down that road. That's why I stress that it's important. You just want to make sure you don't put more than the maximum. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Now, now in that case, if you've got that extra $1,000, like I mean, if you can put some into your IUL and take the rest of that and put that into maybe perhaps other investments that you have or put that into your savings if you have you don't have an emergency fund yet, but there's different ways that you can you can split that money up. Okay, no, but that's good because then it's a clear cut. I mean, it's like go up to your maximum that you you can call up your insurance, go to the maximum and the rest, okay, you do whatever you want with it, but then at least yeah, don't go over that limit, yeah. Okay, very clear, uh, Justine. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, good. I I can't stress that enough because it's so important, right? We don't want to go over that, and we want to take advantage of the uh, tax, right? Mm -hmm. The tax uh, uh, advantages. So let me talk a little bit about that, right? Now, in this type of account, the indexed universal life, right? The death benefit is tax free. Okay, the death benefit is tax free. So when your beneficiary gets that money no taxes will be taken from it, right? Taken mm -hmm. from the, the death benefit. So that's a just something that your beneficiary should know. Now, the cash value. The cash value is also tax 
free, right? It's also mm-hmm. tax free um, as long as you do not go over the maximum. So what's a beautiful thing? And again, and for all all the listeners out there who are not um, Ameri- like not from the U.S. You know, from another country, again, always double check, right? Double check with your country's laws on this. Um, but here in America, we have tax laws that protect life insurance. So it's IRS code 7702. If you want to kind of take a dive into that, like I'll just drop that right there in case anybody on this podcast is curious. But the IRS code, right, section 7702 essentially protects life insurance right? Protects mm-hmm. life insurance. And so really, it's uh, as long as it's a legitimate life insurance contract, then you, and when I say legitimate life insurance contract, that means you're not going over the maximum. Mm-hmm. So then they do not look at life insurance like a tax qualified investment. They don't look at it as an investment like they would a 401k, a 403b, right? Those types of uh, tax qualified plans that you get from your employer here in the states. Mm-hmm. With this code, it doesn't it doesn't look at life insurance that way as long as you don't go over the maximum. I've said yeah. that like five million times, <laughs> but I'm stressing that. <laughs> so, does that does that make sense so far? Yeah, very clear, uh, Justine. Uh, and then what I'm wondering then uh, as well, because you're insisting a lot on life insurance. So in the end, in the grand scheme of things, what is the the most important thing with life insurance? Why do you insist so much on life insurance yourself? You know, I, oh gosh, Joni, I love that question. Uh, I think about, um, I, I'm going to share something. I had a friend last year who lost Uh, his sister. Mm-hmm. Sister was very young. It was a hit and run, right? Oh, It was a hit okay. and run. Yeah. And, um, you know, the guy took off and left her there. And it breaks my heart to to hear that and to know that my friend, they struggled to pay for her funeral. Her, his, like his family mm-hmm. couldn't pay for that funeral. It was, so they opened up a GoFundMe and they tried to get that you know, to get that going, to help pay for that. So I I think about that and I think about, um, you know, I think about my family and I think at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Joni, life is just not guaranteed. It doesn't matter if you go to the gym every single day. It doesn't matter if you eat well, it doesn't matter if like, you know, you just never know what can happen. And so (laughs) having life insurance is one of the easiest ways to build generational wealth But also, you're protecting your family. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, you're protecting the people that you are leaving behind. And I give this as an example. If you have a car loan, let's say you have a car loan and you pass away, right? You pass away, something happens, you know, knock on wood here. Mm-hmm. That car loan is not going to disappear, everyone. That car loan is going to stay there and your whoever is your family, whoever you've left behind is now responsible for paying that loan off. So if your parents or your family members or your wife, your husband, whoever, your partner, if they don't have the money to pay that, you've now jeopardized their mm-hmm. financial situation. Yep. So, you know, I, I, I want people to know that it's It, that this life insurance, this death benefit, it saves and protects your family. But also there are strategies out there like the IUL where you can use that money yourself for your retirement, 
right? And be able to pull that money out tax-free at any time. Mm -hmm. Not how, you know, like the last thing you want to do is go digging into your 403B or your 401K from your employer because you don't have enough money. And then you get slammed with the taxes, the fees and everything because you withdrew before 59 and a half, right? So when you, if you use life insurance in a way, in in the proper way, you can really take advantage of the tax-free cash value that you can use on your own and that is liquid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you're protecting your your family uh, yeah. and the people that you leave behind. And if it's okay, Joni, can I also talk about the cons? Because I think that's important too uh, when you look into these things, because not everything is like daisies and roses, as we know. <laughs> yes, please <laughs> um, go through but, them. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So, You know, again, everyone, this is a fabulous strategy, but some things to keep in mind. If you're thinking about having an IUL or this type of life insurance policy, if you're thinking, oh, I want to pull money out in five years, no, this is not for you, right? This is not for you. This is something that you are going to commit to, right? Commit to for at least 15 years. Mm -hmm. So if this is if you're trying to buy a car in five years, a house in five years, I'm I'm gonna kindly tell you no. <laughs> so <laughs> this is not what you want to do. Um, keep in mind that if you do, if you decide to go with this strategy and you try to pull money out within the first um, 10 to 15 years, there's going to be a surrender charge. So yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide that from you, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is a surrender charge. So again, if you're trying to do this short term. Midterm, it's not it's not for you. And then also always read the fine print, right? Check out what the caps are for the year, what the floor is for the year. The floor will never go below 0%, but maybe when you sign on to this policy initially, the floor is 0.75%, but then maybe one year it drops. Just stay on top of, you know, stay on top mm-hmm. of the caps and floors. Yeah, no, very good. Yeah, excellent. And then, Justine, something um, we have here, at least in Belgium, France, and Luxembourg, we have an insurance. I don't know in English the right word for that, but it's an insurance you you uh, have when you uh, buy a house, when you uh, have a mortgage. Is that you? It's called uh, I don't know in English, so I will say it in French. Assurance solde restendu. Basically, it's an insurance that covers uh, the rest of your mortgage when if something in case of death, basically, so that. Um, When you die, I mean, the the mortgage gets paid by the insurance. So it's uh, something that it's almost uh, compulsory to get it. So the, I mean, at least in those three countries so that I know of. And okay, it's a very good protection. The, the only thing I would say is uh, if you live in uh, France, Belgium or Luxembourg, shop around because the bank will always, always push you one that is uh, expensive. So shop around. You don't have to... Uh, get the one that comes with that your bank proposes. So shop around, but yeah, it's very good to have. And anyway, you basically basically cannot have a mortgage without that insurance. Oh, that is very cool. I, you know, I'm not familiar with that, but that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I love the advice of shopping around, right? Every, you know, that's such great advice. Like get a second opinion, everybody do run the numbers, compare Uh, yeah, that's, I'm trying to think right now, you know, normally when I sit down with someone and they're asking, Hey, Justine, how much life insurance should I have? I ask them how much debt they have, right? Mm -hmm. Their current debt, what their income is. And then I tell them to multiply that by 
10 to 15 percent, like 10 to 15 times, like multiply that. And then if you have a mortgage, how much you have left on your mortgage? Because if something were to happen to you and your your wife or your partner or whoever, right, is going to be you're the living spouse, right? The living partner, they're going to need enough money to help pay for that mortgage. So I, Joni, I'm not, I cannot think right now of what that would be called here in the States for that type of insurance for the mortgage. But I do know that when I, when we're talking about life insurance, consider that, right? Consider mm-hmm. how yeah. much you have on your mortgage. And so that, you know, when you're talking to a financial professional, you, you tell them like, Hey, this is how much my mortgage is. I need to make sure that my death benefit covers this amount. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And good, Justin. And maybe one, uh, a bit closing questions. So we talked about your journey from Turkey to now, uh, in, uh, in the, in the Bay area, uh, delivering financial services. So how are you on your road to, um, financial success uh, or to uh, financial independence? Why are you on your path, on your road to as well open that school in the, in the Philippines? Oh, that's great question. Uh, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm excited about where I am in life right now financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I am, I've started different investments. So I want to make sure I diversify my portfolio uh, and, and just reminding myself to stay consistent, mm-hmm. right? To stay consistent. And um, I've got money already aside and growing for my school in the Philippines. So oh, that's, cool. you know, yeah. yeah, so that's going and I'm, I cannot be more excited about that. And so um, I just want to continue to keep doing what I do and, and, and hopefully right in the next, I'm hoping in the next like three years, I'll be able to go ahead and build that school. So Excited about that. Excited about that. Um, and staying positive. Okay, yeah, cool. absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, Justine, uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, for being so enthusiastic. Try, trying to make insurance, life insurance sexy. I think you, it might have appealed to some people. <laughs> at, <laughs> le- at least it was very clear. And uh, thank you for that. Because, you know, this topic is not easy. I mean, I don't talk about it too much myself. I don't think it's easy. And so thank you for clearing things up. And um, yeah, Justine, so thank you. And then what we before we leave, before I let you go, as you know, we always have our three quick fire questions. Very cool. So are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> okay, very good. So uh, what has been your best investment so far, Justine? Uh, buying myself a one-way ticket to South Korea when I was 20 years old. Okay. So what, a quick, um, why was that the best investment? Because that was the first time I, I, I bought that ticket without my parents, mm-hmm. like without any kind of help from someone. And that was my first time ever living in a different country, different language, different alphabets, different everything by myself. And so that right there was the, that was the growing up moment for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. And then secondly, what is the, what is a book you can recommend to anyone? And it does not need to be a financial book. Oh my gosh. Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I'm saying it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you really love that book. Okay, I will uh, look it up. What is it about, uh, I mean, in general? Is there a story or is it more like a self-development or? 
it's self-development, but it's the way that we communicate with others in a uh, in a nonviolent way, but just the words that we choose, okay. how to ask for things, how to ask for the things that we need, mm-hmm. right? And and being able to uh, uh, to open space with people in in a nonviolent way when you're communicating. So I, I gosh, I can't. It changed my life. Okay. And how I talk to people. <laughs> yeah. Very good. I'll link it in the show notes anyway, so people can look it up. And then uh, last question. Um, what is the best purchase you've made for under $100? I would say a sous vide. I bought my boyfriend a sous vide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that, it's been fun. It's been fun cooking with that, right? You don't eat meat the same way. So <laughs> I'm going to say that. I'm going to say the sous vide for right now. <laughs> okay, excellent, excellent. And then, uh, Justine, okay, we um, we talked about you. You're on Twitter. Uh, are you on? Uh, where can the listeners find you if they want to get in touch with you or know more about life insurance? Oh, absolutely! Please reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Justine Kedi K E D I. It means cat in Turkish, by the way. So just wanted to put that out there, but you can reach me on Twitter. My DMs are always open. And if you'd like to email me, you can absolutely email me at justinefinancial at gmail.com. Okay. So I look forward to hearing from everyone. Excellent. Excellent. I, I didn't know it. Was, I thought it was uh, your, your, your last name, actually, this kitty. No, it's not. It's actually cat in Turkish. Okay, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something new and. the uh, Probably when uh, we share this on Twitter, people will know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know, right? Good. That's great. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, well, Justine, it was a blast. Uh, great to have you on. Thank you for uh, again for uh, for your time and uh, sharing your tips with us. Oh, Joni, thank you so much for the opportunity. This was tons of fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you found it useful, yeah, please make sure you share it with a friend. Or you can also rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And before we close off, let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, contracts. Always read the fine print for every contract you sign, whether that is for a life insurance contract, your rent, or your job. Number two, if you feel stuck and everything seems impossible, there are two choices. Can either pick up that bottle of Raki <laughs> or your uh, liquor of choice, or you can pick yourself up and fight your battle. Do like Justine, look for solutions and try different approaches. Number three, from struggles comes beauty. Embrace the struggles that will make you stronger. And although it may sound corny, it is important to keep believing in yourself. Number four, on life insurance, I will not go into the details, but look at the rules in your country and pay attention to the taxation rules. Do not overpay on your contributions, for instance. Be sure to shop around and make your comparison. And question to you, after Justine's explanation, does life insurance sound sexier to you? Let me know. (laughs) And then last one for today, dare to dream big. For Justine that is opening a school in the Philippines, but have that big dream, those clear goals, this will make you define your next steps easier. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.